a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon in Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. When the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them, pain like that of a woman in labour. You destroyed them like ships of Tarshish, shattered by an east wind. We have heard, so we have seen, in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Count her towers. Consider well her ramparts. View her citadels that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. And our second reading is Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Thanks, Caitlin. Good day, everyone. Uh, great to have you here this morning. And in case we haven't met or you're new or visiting, I'm Lachlan. I'm on the staff team here. I usually look over the camera service. Um, but if you are new or visiting, um, unfortunately, I won't be able to stay afterwards and say good day because I have to duck over to our Narrenburn service where I'm preaching just after this. I'm also uh, base campers. Welcome. Great to have you joining us today, too. Uh, one thing you might not know about me, you may know about me, but you might not know about me, is that I am a city boy uh, through and through. Uh, nothing against the country. I love the country. It's great to travel and have a holiday in the country, but my heart, well, it belongs to the city. Uh, and a number of our community uh, uh, here at church uh, and our wider community uh, you know, uh, our wider geographic community, they're away on holidays at the moment. And some of them are overseas and seeing some of the great cities of the world. Uh, now, people will differ on what makes a city great, uh, but I think one of the things that helps spot a great city of the world is that it is iconic. Uh, it represents something. So if we go back to the uh, picture of Paris there, Paris is the city of love and romance. I mean, you can almost feel the romance kind of, you know, just oozing out of the picture there. I mean, listen to these words from Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. They sang, I never knew the charm of spring. I never met it face to face. I never knew my heart could sing. I never missed a warm embrace till April in Paris. 
kind of makes you want to visit Paris in the springtime. Or next, New York, the city that never sleeps. It's a city where anything can happen. New York is all about opportunity. Uh, Hear the words of the great poet, Jay-Z. In New York, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can't do. Now you're in New York, New York, New York. But of course, we don't need to go overseas to see an iconic city. We live in one. Our very own Sydney, iconic for its beauty, particularly for its harbour. Uh, It's a vista that is familiar to uh, all of us here this morning, but it is still magnificent. It is still beautiful. Uh, And, you know, Banjo Patterson reflected on Sydney in a poem. Uh, Here's a couple of verses. The sunny water frothing round the liners black and red and the coastal schooners working by the loom of Bradley's head and the whistles and the sirens that re-echo far and wide, all the life and light and beauty belong to Sydney's side. And the dreary cloudline never veiled the end of one day more, but the city set in jewels rose before me from the shore. Round the sea world shine the beacons of a thousand ports of call, but the harbour lights of Sydney are the grandest of them all. It stirs you with a sense of pride in a city, doesn't it? Uh, And that's it, these words that are crafted about the great cities of the world, they can give you a sense of pride or a sense of awe, they could inspire you to want to visit, they can help you see your city in a new way, or perhaps just to see again how incredible it is. Uh, And today we're continuing our little series in Psalms, uh, and Psalm 48 presents us with the great city of Jerusalem, Uh, iconic for its security, I think we see on our next... You know, here's some of the the ruins of Jerusalem, iconic for its security. Uh, A bit strange. Now, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, uh, the Psalms is a collection of 150 songs and poems in the Bible. It covers a huge variety of life circumstances and what it looks like for God's people to face those circumstances. And this Psalm in particular uh, wants us to consider where we find security. Whether you're a Christian or not, security is one of those perpetual human struggles. Uh, We want to feel secure. Uh, We all look for security in different places. Uh, Sometimes uh, intentionally, you know, we might seek out a job to provide us with financial security, or sometimes unintentionally. Uh, We might not realise how much we depend on a friend or a family member in order to feel secure, for example, until that relationship is is threatened or removed. We might not realise how much security we look for in certain places. But Psalm 48, it takes us to a time when the city of Jerusalem is known because of the security it brings. It's a place where residents can live lives of confident assurance that they'll be protected from whatever it is that might seek to disturb them. Psalm 48 raises the question of where we look to for security and what its limits are. More particularly for God's people, Psalm 48 wants us to be confident in the security that he gives And as we read it in the context of the whole Bible, it calls us to see the security that we have available today. So we're going to look at it in three points, a secure city, a true city, and a place to consider. Uh, So first, uh, the secure city. Uh, The picture that's held out throughout this psalm, you might have noticed when we read, is just one of a city that offers security and confidence to all its residents. Uh, The ancient world, uh, in the ancient world, one of the chief 
needs of a, of a city was its security, that it was well protected. It needed to be a safe haven in times of distress. Uh, Israel itself, if we've got the next map, is on a land bridge between the great powers of the ancient world. You can see down in the uh, bottom left-hand corner is Egypt. In the top right-hand corner uh, is uh, sort of Babylon and, and Assyria, where those empires were. Uh, the brown patch in the middle is all desert. The blue patch uh, in the middle is all sea. And so the bit between those two great empires includes the kingdom of Israel. Uh, they were on a land bridge. So uh, whenever there was a bit of biff in the ancient world, which did happen from time to time, Israel was sure to be affected. When foreign armies were on the move, a secure city was essential to be able to fall back to, to be safe and protected. And Psalm 48 shows us a beautifully secure fortress. Have a look at verse 1. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of God, uh, his holy mountain. Beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Like the mounts of Zephon is Mount Zion, the great city of the king. God is in her citadels. He's shown himself to be her fortress. Uh, there are three things here that make Jerusalem beautifully secure. Uh, firstly, it's God's city. Uh, it's God who created all things and is worthy of all praise. He is the one who dwells there. It's God's city. Uh, second, it's high up. God has placed his city high up on Mount Zion. Uh, that's the name of the mountain that Jerusalem's defensive structures, its, its palace, its, its uh, fort and temple were built on. Uh, and in the ancient world, high grounds, much easier to defend. And so a city that's high up was harder to attack, more secure. It's God's city, it's high up, but it's also well fortified. It's not just the natural defences, there are citadels, constructed defensive fortifications, and on top of that, those defensive fortifications are manned by God himself. It's a picture of a beautifully secure fortress. And, you know, security for your city, it might seem a bit removed from us, but it's not just an issue for the ancient world. Defensive fortifications might not be first on our mind when we think of what Sydney has to offer, but they were an important part of Sydney in its early days. Uh, in the its early days, the colony was isolated but increasingly prosperous, and so it made a tempting target. And our harbour is littered with remnants of the defensive installations of the past. South Head, Bradley's Head, Garden Island, Fort Denison, amongst others. If you go up to Middle Head, it is honeycombed with defensive installations. Uh, they speak to our city's need of defences in the past. And as it stands, many of these Installations are currently obsolete, no longer functioning in a defensive capacity, uh, but they were essential and they gave residents confidence that they had a measure of security. In a hostile world, solid defences are a thing of beauty. But this beautifully secure fortress of uh, city of Jerusalem, it doesn't just look nice is impregnable. It was impregnable. Have a look at verse 4. When the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, pain like that of a woman in labour. You destroyed them like ships of Tarshish shattered by an east wind. In verses 4 to 8, we read of a coalition of foreign rulers preparing to attack Jerusalem, only to be utterly dismayed and destroyed when they come up against her defences. Uh, one of the recurring images in Psalms is that of foreign powers rising up against God and his people, uh, trying to tear them down. And here we see a snapshot of what happens to them. They see, 
they flee, they quake, and God annihilates. It's pretty vivid imagery. The coalition advance has barely begun, yet even seeing the walls of Zion causes a rout. It causes pain tremblings likened to a woman in labour at what they have sought to do. And they're destroyed. They can't avoid it. They're like a ship without power that's being driven by a strong wind towards the rocks. They can see their destruction approaching and can't avoid it. The security of God's city is assured. It is impregnable. It is a good place to be when hostile foes attack. And God's people take note. Did you see there in verse 8? As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. They'd heard of God. They'd heard of the safety he gives. But now they've seen it. They've experienced that God makes her secure and that she is secure forever. And that takes us to the heart of the city's security. It's God himself, verse 9. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments. The psalmist starts by taking us to the temple, the place where God dwells, because of the security of the city, it can't be separated from the God whose city it is. The reason that God's people can have this security is because of God's unfailing love, the love he's promised to his people. And as they consider God's unfailing love that they've just seen demonstrated in this salvation that they've received, they praise his name. They continue to praise him so that the whole earth is full of praise for God and, for God, and that God's good and righteous ways shape the lives that people live. As God secures his people, there's this outward movement so that the whole earth praises God and Zion truly becomes the joy of the whole earth. Because of God's unfailing kindness, his people look at the city of Jerusalem. They can look at the city of Jerusalem. They can walk around and consider what God has given them as a sign of his steadfast love. Verse 12, walk around Zion, go around her, count her towers, well her ramparts, view her citadels that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide to the, even to the end. It's a clear imperative to God's people back in ancient Israel. Walk around Jerusalem. Consider how well defended we are. The towers, the ramparts, the citadels. Consider how secure the city is. But don't stop there. Be so convinced in the security that, we, that God has given to us so that we... Pass that on to future generations. We help them to learn to trust that God is the king who will lead his people and will keep them secure. Uh, it's a beautiful picture of a secure city and one that God's people can have confidence in. Uh, now, of course, we can't walk around Jerusalem ancient uh, we can't walk around ancient Jerusalem today. Uh, we can have a look at a, a historical reconstruction. Uh, you know, you can see here, it looks pretty cool. You can see at the top right, you can see the big uh, palace fortress complex. You can see all the way around at the walls. You can count uh, where the citadels and ramparts are. Uh, but it does kind of highlight the problem for us, doesn't it? We need a reconstruction. It's not there anymore. I mean, well, it, it kind of is. We saw the ruin earlier. But that just underlines the problem further. 
I mean, when you compare the city of the psalm to the Jerusalem of history, they don't quite match up, do they? I mean, historically, ancient Jerusalem did not prove to be a secure city. Uh, It was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. Prior to that, it was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 BC. And even if we compare it to the Assyrian siege of 721 BC, probably the closest historical analogue to the psalm, even if we compare it to the Bible's own account of this siege in 2 Kings 19, the psalm seems to have taken a bit of artistic embellishment compared to those events. So the destruction of Jerusalem poses a bit of a problem for us when we come to read Psalm 48. Psalm 48 wants us to have confidence in the God who protects his city and his people, yet it clearly didn't happen. At the same time, even after Jerusalem was destroyed the first time, the strange thing is God's people held on to the psalm. It's been recorded and preserved for us to read today. Why should singing this psalm inspire God's people to look to God for security? Now, I guess on the one hand, we expect art, whether it's a poem or a painting or something else, to emphasise certain details and leave others out. We don't expect an exact correspondence. Uh, And in fact, what I think is one of the most sublime artistic representations of Sydney of all time, emphasises some details and ignores others. The Sydney sprint track in Mario Kart is incredible. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to race around it yet, uh, but it is amazing. Uh, it has captured some of the great details of our harbour and our city. The, skyli- uh, the skyline in the background, the ferry that's there, even Government House behind the Opera House has been captured there and makes an appearance. Uh, if you look at the next picture, you can see they've got the towers of Barangaroo in the background. You can see Australia Square and Centrepoint Tower. They've done a pretty good job. But there are things that are definitely not true to reality. I mean, even beyond the fact that there's not really any traffic on the Harbour Bridge to enable a race over it, uh, the Opera House is warped, Circular Quay is tiny, uh, there's no overseas passenger terminal or MCA, but it doesn't really matter that it's not the real Sydney, it's just capturing enough of the real elements of Sydney to give us an entertaining analogue. It's a Mario Kartified analogy of Sydney Harbour. And there's a relationship between the Zion of the psalm and ancient Jerusalem that's a little bit like the relationship between Sydney Harbour and Mario Kart Sydney. You see, Mario Kart Sydney, it represents, you know, key elements of real Sydney to give an entertaining analogue. But with Jerusalem, it's a little bit different. The ancient city of Jerusalem, it gave God's people a glimpse of the true Zion, The true Zion that Psalm 48 points us to, it isn't on a small mountain in the Middle East. It's the place where God dwells. And as we've seen uh, through the psalm, we've we've gone through the psalm, we've caught glimpses of it. When it says in verse 2 that Mount Zion is like the the heights of Zaphon, uh, it's kind of like the regional equivalent of saying Mount Zion, it's like Mount Olympus. It's the heavenly mountain that God dwells on. Despite the physical defences, true security comes from God's presence, from God's presence where he dwells in heaven. There's a distinction between Mount Zion on earth and Mount Zion in heaven. There's a likeness, but there's a distinction. Ancient Jerusalem was a glimpse of God's real dwelling place, 
and the place where God's king was. We see that the real security comes from God as we keep going through the psalm. Verse 3, God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. God makes her secure forever. Verse 14, this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. The psalm isn't ultimately about ancient Jerusalem. It's highlighting that the real security for God's people comes from God and being part of his city and his people, his heavenly city. And so there's a warning here for us to consider where we actually look for security. Because one of the great tragedies of the Old Testament is that many of the Israelites were selective about the parts of God's word that they listened to. They turned from listening to God and his ways, but claimed that God wasn't going to stand against them, that the city would stand firm. So Jeremiah uh, was the prophet when the Babylonians were attacking, uh, and we see a glimpse of what was being said at the time. Uh, the passage, the verses will come up on the screen. Uh, God says, they've lied about the Lord. They said he will do nothing. No harm will come to us. We will never see sword or famine. The people of Jeremiah's day thought they were secure in their city, but they were not secure because they'd abandoned God and his ways. People of Israel, declares the Lord, I am bringing a distant nation against you. Their quivers are like an open grave. All of them are mighty warriors. With the sword, they will destroy the fortified cities in which you trust. They'd turned away from God and they'd placed their trust in the thing that, they had given, that he'd given them to point to God. And so God had left the city. Without its defender, without the one who gave real security, there was no security. True security is not found in things of this world, but in God, who gives us all these good things. Ancient Jerusalem was a picture to point God's people to the place where true security could be found. Zion where God, God's king ruled and where God dwelt. And so God's faithful people looked to the real Zion. And as we turn to the New Testament, we see that both of these themes, where God's king is and where God dwells, are fulfilled in Jesus. So we come to our last point, go and consider. We can't walk around and count the parapets of ancient Jerusalem. But we can go and consider how the Zion images are picked up and developed by the New Testament to consider where we have security today. As we turn to the New Testament, the image of Zion, it's developed in three ways. Firstly, we see that the ideas of God's king and God's dwelling place, they find their fulfillment in Jesus. In Jesus, God became human, dwelling among us. And though the kings of the earth united against him and put him to death, God raised him up to rule and to judge the earth. The Zion of Psalm 48 is fulfilled in Jesus. And what's more, it's this king, the God-man, Jesus, who supremely shows us God's unfailing love towards us. Because he died in our place, because he died for our sin, we have been forgiven and we are made citizens of the heavenly Zion, the true Zion, where we have security from God's judgment of sin. There's also a sense in the New Testament where the Zion imagery of Psalm 48 is fulfilled in the church. As we gather as God's people around God's word, we are given a foretaste of what heaven will be like. 
as we gather as forgiven sinners, as God dwells among us, as we hear God's word, as we sing his praises, as we come before him in prayer and remember together the security that we have in Jesus, particularly in the face of hostility towards Jesus and those who follow him, this is an incredibly precious gift that we can gather together and remind each other of God's unfailing kindness to us in Jesus. But we also remember, finally, the hope that we have in his name because Zion is also shown to be a future reality. And this is what we heard about in our second reading from Revelation 21. Jesus' disciple John, at the end of his vision, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. For those of us who follow Jesus, our true home, it's not in this world. It is heaven, and Psalm 48 encourages us to look forward to the coming of God's kingdom in its fullness. As Revelation 21 continues, we see the heavenly Zion described in a way that makes it absolutely clear. There is no city more beautiful. There is no city more secure, no city that is more pleasant. And it is our home. It is the place that Jesus has prepared a place for you and for me and for all of us who follow him. It is in Jesus that we are made citizens of God's heavenly city. Our home is relocated from this world that is perishing to the heavenly Zion where there are no more death or crying or tears. I do love Sydney. It is a beautiful city, but it pales in comparison to the heavenly Zion. That is where my true home is. And that is what Psalm 48 encourages me to long for, for the city whose beauty and security far exceeds even the greatest cities of our world. And so it exhorts us, consider Zion. Continue to consider Jesus and the security we have in him. Consider the foretaste that we have in the church. Consider the hope that we have in the heavenly Zion where our true home lies. Keep thinking carefully about Jesus and all we have in him. And teach the next generation. Uh, model remembering where our security is and turning to trust as you face your own insecurity. Uh, you know, as various things that cause insecurity uh, in you come up, it is hard, but it is a great opportunity to model for younger Christians, our children, the next generation, what it looks like to stop and turn and trust in Jesus, to remember where our security really lies. Because we'll all have things that make us feel insecure. It could come from a vocational sphere, from our work or our study. It could be in the relational sphere, it could come from friends or family and those relationships being tested or strained or broken. It could come in the financial sphere, making mortgage repayments, for instance, and then these can all flow into and out of each other. Sometimes we know that there's an area that's going to leave us feeling insecure and sometimes it will catch us by surprise. 
But here at church, we're in a great place to remind each other of the security that we do have in Jesus. Which might seem a bit strange this week. Uh, Being a member of the church might not feel like a place of security, particularly in the wake of the Andrew Thorburn Essendon saga that's been happening this week. Uh, Outrage in the media and from government directed towards people who attend churches who hold orthodox Christian views on life and sexuality. Uh, Regardless of how those views are held by the individual or how they've shaped their behaviour, it's left me feeling insecure. I've talked to a number of people from this congregation who I think have felt somewhat insecure and shaken by it. It's not the first time someone's faith has cost them and it won't be the last, but it's been high profile and prevalent enough I have to feel that insecurity that bit more sharply. But there's other things that could be leaving you feeling insecure as well. Maybe an impending HSC exam, the impact that the continued rise in interest rates has had on your ability to make mortgage repayments, various geopolitical tensions, our children making choices to turn away from God, our friends distancing themselves from us because of our love of Jesus. There is much that can leave us feeling insecure. But Psalm 48 exhorts us to continue to consider the security we have in Jesus. Uh, John Newton, the man who penned Amazing Grace, he also wrote the hymn, Glories of You Are Spoken, which reflects on exactly this theme. Uh, Consider these words. Glorious things of you are spoken, Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken formed you for his own abode. On the rock of ages founded, what can shape your sure repose? With salvation's wall surrounded, you may smile at all your foes. Saviour, since of Zion's city, I through grace a member am. Let the world deride or pity, I will glory in your name. Fading are the world's best pleasures, all its boasted pomp and show, solid joys and lasting treasures, none but Zion's children know. And friends, that is who we are. We are the children of Zion. So how do you respond to your world being threatened, to the feeling of insecurities? It's not to fixate on the worldly citadels and parapets, the harbours or the opportunities that offer security that's all too easily overwhelmed, that needs to be fought for tooth and claw and will inevitably fail. No, Christians can remember the security that is ours in Christ that allows us to respond to the instability of the world with the same gentle and loving kindness that God has thrown us in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the security that we have in Jesus. We praise you that even in the midst uh, of uh, of turmoil, uh, of uh, hostility, uh, of things not going well for us from a worldly perspective, that we know where our end is, that it is with you in Zion and that that cannot be shaken. Help us in the face of insecurity to turn to you and remember the security that we have in Jesus, to consider deeply his love for us and all that he has done for us, that we might respond to insecurity with gracious, kind and patient love, that your name might be praised. Amen.